Amen. Well, we are excited again to have you with us this morning, and we're going to begin uh, what originally started out to be a little one-week message this week entitled, Increasing Your Authority and Changing Your Life. Uh, but uh, as we kind of just got into the week this past week and studying through and, and looking at some different things, I was sharing with Brother Curtis on Friday, uh, and he was looking at my notes, and I was talking to him. He said, you're never going to do that one week, <laughs> and he's right, so uh, we're going to do it in two weeks. <laughs> so if you're a super-duper note-taker, uh, we're not going to fill out your entire outline this morning, so you're going to get about half of it today, and uh, next Sunday we'll fill in the second half. But we're going to look at some great stuff. I had literally, I had about five pages of scripture that went along with this message that I want to share with you. And we're going to see some exciting, powerful truth from the Word of God that really is going to change our lives. And so this morning, we want to talk about increasing your authority and changing your life. And when you think about authority, I want to give you a couple elements about authority that are essential to understanding really how God works in our life. First of all, uh, you need to understand that authority is manifested two ways. The first way that authority is manifested is authority is manifested through the right. You have to have the right to be an authority. And uh, if a person on an airplane tries to take authority of a plane that they're not in control of, we call that terrorism, right? Uh, and so we see that uh, if you are not in authority, if you don't have the right to rule, uh, then you're actually a terrorist, right? You're in rebellion and you're never going to prosper. And so we have to understand that in order to operate in God's authority, we have to have the right to operate in that authority. If you're here today and you're born again, any born again Christians in the house today? Amen. If you've been born again, you've accepted Jesus, then you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ and you have been given the right to rule in Christ. Why? Because you're now a child of God, right? You are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. So you have been given the right to rule through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has adopted us and grafted us into God's family and made us heirs and joint heirs with himself. The second element of authority is not only do you have to have the right, but you have to have the might. You have to have the power or the empowerment in order to rule. And the best way I kind of think about this in the natural, anybody in here ever met a police officer? <laughs> anybody in here ever met a police officer in the rearview mirror of your car, right? Uh, isn't that always fun, right? Those wonderful blue lights. Well, here's the thing. A police officer has two things that give him authority. Number one, he has a badge. That badge says he is uh, employed as a police officer of the city of Arab or wherever you may be. And that badge gives him the right to pull you over. Now, in case you don't want to honor the badge, he also has a gun. And the gun gives him the might <laughs> to pull you over, right? And so that's the reality. Authority really is twofold. It is a right and it is the might. Now, as a Christian, if you've been born again, you have the right to authority. But the way you get the might of God is through the Holy Spirit, right? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power. That word power is dunamis in the Greek. It's where we get our word dynamite. It literally means miraculous supernatural power. You, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit empowers you to walk in the authority that God has given you. So through the blood of Jesus, you have the right. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the might to walk in authority. And if you're here this morning, even as a Christian, and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I know I've been born again, and I'm not really sure, though, if I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, then let me encourage you in this. You need to sign up for our journey 
uh, class and our encounter weekend because through that journey class and encounter weekend, we're going to introduce you to the person and the power of the Holy Spirit and you're going to learn what it means to be endued with power because if you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're literally living your life way below the standard that God really has for you. So you need the right, but you also need the might of God's Spirit in order to do what God's called you to do. So as we talk about increasing our authority, we understand that we need the right and the might, and we have that. So how do we increase our authority? How do we experience our cha a changed or transformed life? Because many of you, if you think about your life, you may look at your life and you may say, there are a lot of areas in my life that I've been trying to change, but nothing's changed. Anybody got any of those areas in your life? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I've been trying to change, but nothing's changed. Well, the reason many times nothing has changed is because we're not fully operating in the authority that we have been given in Christ. So today I'm going to show you from the Word of God how do we increase our authority and therefore how do we experience a, the transformation of life that God wants to bring in us and for us. So let's look in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, this is called the parable of the talents. Now a talent is money. So when you read it and it says he gave him five talents, uh, that talent represents money. It says, and again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And to the one he gave five talents, or let's just say five bags of money. How many would you like to get five bags of money? Be all right, would it? All right, so to another he gave two and to another one. To each one according to his own ability. So God entrusts us with what we can handle according to our own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time the Lord of his servants came and settled a council with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, I have delivered to you five talents. Uh, you have delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. That's a good phrase, right? Good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more also uh, besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. That's a pretty harsh word, right? You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. And the, to, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Let me give you a thought this morning. Look at the first point on your outline. Responsibility produces authority. Responsibility produces authority. 
We increase our authority by taking responsibility over the things that have been entrusted to us. When you look at the story of the parable of the talents, he gave five to one, two to one, two, two to another, and one to another. The one who had five made ten. The one who had two made four. And when the, when the master of those servants came, the Bible says this. He says, you have been faithful over a few things. And then look what he says. And I will make you ruler over many. See, when they took responsibility for what they had, they were given authority over more. When they took responsibility for what they had, they were given authority over more. And the guy with whom one talent, who hid it in the ground and did nothing with it, he actually lost what he had. Now think about this for just a minute. Have you ever, have you ever noticed that the people that have seem to get more and the people that have not seem to even lose what they don't have? I mean, it's true, not just in finances and not just in money. Have you ever seen somebody that was happy? And it seems like they just keep getting happier. My sister, Teresa. Is Teresa still here? I think she left. You know, Teresa, we're out front praying before second service. She comes booming up, interrupts everything we're doing. Hey, what are y'all doing? You know, I mean, she's just so full of joy. Why? Because people that have seem to get more, right? Have y'all noticed that? And people that don't have, right? The people that don't have any joy, they just get more miserable. The people that do have joy, they just get more joy. People that don't have peace seem like they never get peace. The people that have a lot of peace, they just keep walking in deeper and deeper levels of peace. Why? Because responsibility produces authority. How do I walk in a greater level of authority? In order to walk in a greater level of authority, I have to take a greater level of responsibility for my life. I have to be responsible for what God has entrusted me. Now here's the good news. I don't have to be responsible for what God entrusted to you. I just have to be responsible for what God has entrusted to me. But I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to think about all the times in our lives that we relinquish responsibility. Every time you say, I can't, right? I can't lose weight. I can't get out of debt. I can't ever change. I can't ever get it right. I can't ever figure this out. I can't seem to get on the same page with my spouse. I can't seem to connect with my kids. I just, I just can't seem to connect spiritually with God. I just can't seem to find my place. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. Every time you say, I can't, you know what you do? You relinquish responsibility. You're saying it is impossible for me to do this thing, therefore I'm not responsible for doing it. And every time you relinquish your responsibility, you lose the authority that you need to see the change that God wants to bring into your life. And every time you take responsibility, you are empowered with a new level of authority. There is a spiritual empowerment that happens in the lives of individuals that begin to take responsibility for their lives. Now let me just give you a great illustration from Scripture. It's out of the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. And for homework, you can go home and read Nehemiah chapter 2, okay? Anybody like Kelly, when she was in high school, she loved homework. I thought, you are weird. How many of y'all know that? Any homework likers in the house? There we go, Miss Edith. You and Kelly, y'all got homework. Go on and read Nehemiah too, right? Here it says, These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, 
in late autumn in the month of Kishlev, in the twelfth year of King Xerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews who had returned from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Let's stop right here for a second. Let me explain what's happened. So, so the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. After 70 years it had been prophesied they would be in bondage because of their sin for 70 years. And now that 70 years of captivity has ended and many of the Jews are going back to Jerusalem. And so they're journeying back to Jerusalem and the Bible tells us when they get back they're going to find out that the walls have been torn down, the city gates had been burned. Now Nehemiah had not yet returned. He was actually still captive. He was the cupbearer to the king. So in captivity, Nehemiah had kind of worked up the secular ladder and he was in a good position, so to speak. He was the cupbearer to the king. He lived in the palace. He got to eat and drink some of the best that there was in that country. And here was Nehemiah in this, what would seemingly be a very comfortable economic position. And Nehemiah's brother and some of the people from Jerusalem come back and he asked them about how Jerusalem is. Let's look at the next verse. He said, And they said to me, Things are not going well for those who returned to the providence of Judah, for they are in great trouble and disgrace. For the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been burned by fire, have been destroyed by fire. And Nehemiah says, When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God. Let's stop right here of heaven. I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. The next few verses, which we're not going to read, tell us the prayer that Nehemiah prayed. And the prayer that Nehemiah prayed simply goes like this. Number one, Nehemiah begins to confess his sin. And not only his sin, the sins of his ancestors. He begins to confess, God, we are responsible for what we've done. We have sinned against you. We have transgressed your laws. We have violated your rules. God, we deserve everything that we have got. Nehemiah immediately began to take responsibility for the condition of his city. He began to take responsibility for the condition of his nation. And Nehemiah begins to cry out for his city. He begins to cry out for his nation. And the Bible says for many days he fasted and he mourned and he prayed to the God of heaven. Let me just give you a thought right here. The things that you pray about are typically the things you've taken responsibility for. The things that you pray about are typically the things that you have taken responsibility for. Now we live in a great nation. How many know we live in a great nation? But if you listen to the voice of most American people right now, most American people are grumbling, griping, and complaining about our nation, right? We are a nation in trouble, there's no doubt about it. We are a nation in jeopardy, there's no doubt about that. But I want to ask you a question. Most Christians want to complain about our nation, but I wonder how many of us have taken responsibility for the condition of our nation to the point that we actually prayed about it this week. I wonder how many of us in this room here today actually spent time on our knees praying for our nation? How many of us spent time praying for our nation, praying for the political process, praying for the, for the horrific things that are happening in our world today? See, the reality is, is what you take responsibility for is typically what you pray about. So think about our prayers. What do we pray about? We pray about our kids and our money. <laughs> right? Y'all didn't know I've been listening to your prayers. You pray about your kids and your money. Isn't that what you pray about? You pray about your kids and your money. You pray about your kids and your money. You know why you pray about your kids and your money? Because you don't take responsibility for much beyond that. Most Christians aren't praying for our nation. 
Most Christians aren't praying for the condition of our world. Why? Because most Christians have relinquished responsibility because it's what they're doing instead of what we're doing. Nehemiah said, we have sinned. Nehemiah took responsibility for the condition of his nation. He took responsibility for what was happening in his world. And if we are going to see radical change, if we're going to walk in authority, somebody's got to begin to take responsibility for what's happening in our world. There's a great lady. Her name is Christine Kane. Christine Kane is the head of a ministry called A21. A21 is dedicated to ending sex slavery in America. Right now, there are over 27 million, I believe, sex slaves, and not in America, but in the world. There are over 27 million sex slaves in the world today. There are more slaves in the world today than there have been at any other time in history. And most of those in slavery are young girls who have either been kidnapped or sold by their parents in order to pay debt. And they have been sold into a sex trade industry where they are being prostituted out around the world. And years ago, Christine Kane got a burden from the Lord and she took responsibility to see young girls set free from the sex trade industry. And now, just a few years later, A21 is a nation or a, a global ministry. She has offices all the way around the world. And political leaders from many, many nations are now consulting her on how in the world we can stop this sex trade, sex trade industry. How in the world did she get such authority that the, that the political leaders of the world are now talking to her? You know how she got that authority? She took responsibility. Now, when you hear the testimony of Christine Kane, Christine Kane was a youth minister, and for 10 years, she was the bus driver of their youth ministry. And what's amazing is now, the political leaders of nations are consulting a bus driver. They're consulting a bus driver on how they can end one of the greatest plagues in the world, and that's sex slavery, sex slavery over 27 million young girls' lives being destroyed. How did she go from being a bus driver in a youth ministry to leading a global ministry? I want to tell you how. She took responsibility. Now, what's interesting about the story of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah, nowhere in Scripture does the Bible say that God called Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that Nehemiah had an angelic visitation and the angel said, go build the walls. Nowhere. There is no biblical account that there was, no burn, there was not a burning bush experience, there was not an angelic visitation, there was not seemingly a call of God at all on Nehemiah's life. The only thing that happened is that Nehemiah heard about the condition of his nation and he decided to take responsibility. He said, you know what? I'm going to do something. Look at verse 11, the last verse. It's the end of chapter 1. We're going to back up there if we can. There it is. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer and listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me and put it into his heart to be kind to me. For in those days I was the king's cupbearer. And so Nehemiah wraps up his prayer of responsibility by saying, God, give me favor today because as I go to the king, let him be favorable to me. And you know what happened? When Nehemiah took 
responsibility. Chapter 2 of Nehemiah tells us that the king, who was a pagan, a heathen, a ungodly man. Let me just say this. Nehemiah's king would make Obama look like Billy Graham. I mean, this was an ungodly, heathen man who literally bowed down and worshipped golden idols. But when Nehemiah took responsibility for his nation, you know what God did? God gave him authority. And this pagan, heathen, ungodly king, you know what he did? He wrote letters and he said, give these to all the governors on your journey and you can go to my wood, you can cut down my material, you can take anything you need. Take my material, let me pay for you to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. How in the world did that happen? It happened really simply. Nehemiah took responsibility and God gave him authority. If you want to walk in greater authority in your life, you have to take a greater level of responsibility. You've got to stop saying, I can't. And you've got to stop shifting the blame to other people. Let me give you another thought. Let's look at our next point on your outline. You will never have authority over something that you refuse to take responsibility for. You will never have authority over something you refuse to take responsibility for. Right now, we have a world of men who are frustrated because they seemingly have no authority in their family. And the reason they have no authority in their family is because they have refused to take responsibility for their family. See, if you refuse to take responsibility, you will not have authority. You'll never have authority over anything you refuse to take responsibility for. Let's look at that next point there. Uh, back up, I'm sorry. As long as you shift responsibility from yourself, you will lack the authority to change your life. As long as you shift responsibility. We call it the blame game, right? We blame everybody. We blame, well, I would have been happy but this, and I would have been happy for this. And you know what? We'd really be good off financially if it wasn't for the economy, and if it wasn't for the government, and if it wasn't for Obama, and if it wasn't for this, and it wasn't for that. And you know what? There may be a level of truth in what we're saying, but the reality is as long as I shift responsibility, then I'm never going to have the authority to change my life. It is only when I take responsibility for my life and it's only when I take responsibility for my choices, and it's only when I take responsibility for who I am and what God has called me to do that I have the authority. It is at that moment God empowers me to begin to see radical, supernatural change. But until that happens, I am powerless to see change because I have released my responsibility. That last point there says those who neglect their responsibilities forfeit their authority. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 22. I want you to see this. It's a a statement about Jesus. It says, And they were astounded at Jesus' teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And not as the scribes. So what does that mean? It means that when Jesus taught, there was something different about Jesus' teaching than there was the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. One of the differences was, man, there were signs and wonders and miracles, right? People's lives were being changed. People were being transformed. The power of God was present. And the Bible says there was authority in Jesus' teaching, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, when you read the Gospels, you find out this is what Jesus said about the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, they sit in Moses' seat. Now, what does that mean? That means they were in a place of authority. They sit in Moses' seat. They were the spiritual leaders of that time. 
And because they were spiritual leaders, they had a responsibility. But this is what happened. The Pharisees and the scribes, they neglected their responsibility. And they got consumed with authority. All they wanted was position, power, and prestige. And they no longer wanted the responsibility that went with it. And so Jesus said this to the Pharisees and scribes. He says, whatever they tell you to do, do it. He said, but don't do what they do. Whatever they tell you to do, do it. Why? Because they're an authority. But don't do what they do, he said. And then he goes on and talks about how that they like to be greeted in the marketplace, how they like the high seats at the banquets, and how they love to be recognized and honored as those in authority. He said, but they put heavy burdens on people's backs, and they won't even lift one finger to help them out. Jesus said all that they do, they simply do for themselves. And then here comes Jesus. And when Jesus comes on the scene, how many know Jesus cares? Jesus cares about you. Jesus cares about your life. Jesus cares about your struggles. Jesus cares about the circumstances and situations of your life. If it bothers you, it bothers him. He cares about you. And not only does he care about you, but Jesus, when he came on the scene, he took responsibility for the spiritual well-being of the people that had been entrusted to him. And the reason we know he took responsibility for the spiritual well-being of the people that had been entrusted to him, we know it because he ultimately went to the cross and gave his life so that we could live. Amen? And because Jesus took responsibility, he walked in authority. He walked in authority over the enemy. He walked in authority over this world. He walked in authority over circumstance and situation. Why? Because Jesus took responsibility for what had been entrusted to him. So I want to ask you to think about your life for just a minute. I want, you to ask, I want to ask you to think about what areas of your life have you not yet taken responsibility for and what areas of your life do you desire to see real, lasting change? Because as long as you blame somebody else, right? As long as you blame someone else for your addiction, you'll never be free of addiction. As long as you blame somebody else for your poor choices, you'll constantly make poor choices. As long as you blame somebody else for your attitude or your outlook on life, you will constantly live in a negative state of chaos until you begin to take responsibility for your life. So I want us to look this morning. We're going to look at, uh, I have three ways we're going to increase our authority. We're going to look at the first one today. So let's talk about our own lives. The first way to increase our authority is to take responsibility for our own lives. And I put three areas of our own life, our attitude, our actions, and our decisions. If you're going to increase the level of authority that you walk in and you're going to see real change in your life, you're going to have to take responsibility for your attitude, your actions, and your decisions. So let's look in Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. Any Christians in here today? That's kind of weak. Any Christians in here today? There you go. All right. Well, if you're a Christian, he's talking to you, okay? So this is to you. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. So he's talking to Christians, those who have heard and learned the truth that have come from God. The book of Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus, at, at, at the, the Ephesian church. And so then he says this. Look what he says. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust." And deception. Throw off 
your old sinful nature and your former way of life. He does not say throw it off unless you have been diagnosed obsessive compulsive disorder. He doesn't say throw off your old way of life unless you've been diagnosed with something that says you can't get free. How many of you know we have, we have got diagnoses for our sin? Well, I'm obsessive compulsive. I have this obsessive OCB, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, right? I'm OCD. And so I can't be free of this. You know, I'm just always stressed out and I'm always freaking out. And I can't ever have peace because I'm OCD. No, let me tell you something. Throw off your old sinful nature. Throw it off. Look at this. Paul is saying by the Holy Spirit, you have the authority to throw off that old way of life. You have the authority to get set free from your old sinful nature and from your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. You can throw it off, but you can't throw it off unless you take responsibility for it. See, as long as I'm blaming somebody for the way I live, I'll never have the authority to be free. As long as I'm blaming somebody for the way I live, I'll never have the authority to be free. I'll never have it because I've relinquished authority. Well, I can't be free because of this, or I can't do this because of that, and I can't do this because of them. I want to tell you something. You can be free, free, and free indeed. Amen? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You can throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, if you will take responsibility for your life. Then look what he says. So he says, instead, let. Y'all say that little three-letter word with me. Let. That's a key word. That means you have a part to play. You are responsible for letting the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You have to let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You have to let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. It is a responsibility that you have. You are responsible for your thoughts and your attitudes. You're responsible. Well, I just can't seem to change my attitude. I've just, I've just got a bad attitude. And you notice how we blame our attitude on people? We say stuff like this. Well, I was in a good mood till I got home. I was in a good mood till I got to work. I was in a good mood till I saw you. Right? I mean, think about it. Don't we say crazy stuff like that? All the time, we're blaming others. We are relinquishing our responsibility and we are blaming others for the attitude that we have toward life. Well, I would be in a good attitude if it wasn't for you. I'd be in a good attitude if the kids would just act right. I had a really good attitude until this happened, until that happened, until they said that. You know, I was really free until somebody reminded me of something that happened 35 years ago and I just went out and got drunk because I thought that was a good decision. You're responsible. You're responsible for your thoughts and your attitudes. Well, I just, Pastor Keith, I just can't seem to get a good attitude. Let me give you a great clue. Let me help you out here this morning. Change the radio station. Change the radio station. Just decide I'm going to be Jesus only. Right, I'm just going to listen to Jesus' music. Let me tell you something. Some of your attitudes would radically change if you just change the station. You just change the station, right? Just change the station that you've been listening to. Why? Because you have to take responsibility for your thoughts and your attitude. 
And you can't feed your mind with your old way of life, right? You can't listen to the songs you used to listen to when you were doing the things you shouldn't be doing and expect your mind to be renewed and your life and your attitude to be transformed in a way that honors God. It won't happen. You've got to change the radio station. You've got to change the music channel. You've got to change the TV shows that you're watching. Why? Because you have to take responsibility for what you are feeding and fueling into your heart and your mind. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, the Scripture says. You, gotta take, you are responsible. If you have a bad attitude, don't blame your spouse. Don't blame your kids. Don't blame your boss. Blame yourself. Look in the mirror and say, I am responsible. I am responsible. I am responsible for the thoughts that I think, and I am responsible for the attitude that I have. If your mind is being bombarded with negative thoughts, open your mouth and speak the Word of God. You're responsible. You're responsible. Well, I'm just being bombarded with these negative thoughts. Open your mouth and speak the Word of God. Open your mouth and speak the Word. You take authority over your thoughts with your words. Open your mouth and speak the Word of God. You're responsible. You're responsible for the thoughts that you think. Well, I'm just constantly angry. Change your mind. You're responsible. Your thoughts and your attitude. Some of you, your attitude would have an overnight improvement if you would get off Facebook and put your face in God's book. It would change your life. You're staying frustrated, you're staying aggravated, you're staying tore up. I mean, let me just say this. Who cares what Ian had for supper last night? Who cares? Who cares where he went and ate last week? Who cares that he changed his socks? I don't care. I mean, y'all look at the things people put on Facebook. It is ridiculous. But yet people get torn up. Well, can you believe what they're doing? Oh, they said that. I know they're talking about me. Get over yourself. Get your face off Facebook and get your face in God's book and begin to renew your mind. Take responsibility for your attitude and your thoughts. And if you'll take responsibility, the Holy Spirit will renew your thoughts and your mind. He will. It's not a maybe. It's not, it's not maybe. Sometimes it will say, if you will take responsibility over what you're putting into your thoughts and your mind, the Holy Spirit will renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let's read on a little bit. This is a good scripture. Y'all didn't even know all this was in Ephesians, did you? Ephesians 4. Put on the new nature, created to be like God. How many know you were created to be like God? You were created to be like God, which is righteous and holy. So stop telling lies and let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body. Stop telling lies. You are responsible for the words you speak. Stop lying. Stop lying to others. Stop lying to yourself. Right? Don't we lie to ourselves? Stop telling yourself lies. Well, everybody's doing it so it must be okay. Stop lying to yourself. Take responsibility for your attitude, your actions, and your decisions. Take responsibility for who you are. Take responsibility for where you're going. Take responsibility for the thoughts that you think and the words that you speak. You're responsible. Stop telling lies. Stop speaking corrupt things. Stop allowing your words to undermine God's purpose for your life. Take responsibility. Right? Right? Any of y'all ever seen Bambi? 
Maybe Bambi. I, I call it Thumper Theology. Y'all remember Thumper? Y'all remember what Thumper's daddy told him? Or his daddy or his mama one, right? If you can't say something nice, just don't say nothing at all. That's Thumper Theology. It works. You are responsible for the words that come out of your mouth. If you can't build somebody up, then don't say anything at all. If you can't speak life, then don't say anything at all. It's better that you remain silent than for you to speak death, destruction, chaos, and confusion over your life, over your family, over your future, and over your world. It's better for you to be silent than for you to speak death over your, over your world. Stop telling lies. Take responsibility for the words that you speak. Just be honest. How many of you know there is, there is a liberty in honesty? There is a liberty in honesty. When you begin to get honest with yourself and honest with others, there is a freedom that comes. There is a freedom that comes into your life that will, that will break the chains of oppression and set you free. Why? Because responsibility produces authority. There is an authority that you can walk in when you begin to take responsibility for what you say. Let's look at the rest of this verse. We're going to back up if we can. And, do not, and don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Look what it says. And don't sin by letting anger control you. You are responsible for your temper. You are responsible for your emotions. Right? We make all kinds of excuses. Well, I'm angry. I just have a bad temper because I'm red-headed. I have a bad temper because I'm Irish. I have a bad temper because everybody in my family has a bad temper. My mom had a bad temper. My dad had a bad temper. I want to tell you something. Take, you are responsible. You're responsible for your temper. You're responsible for your emotions. Do not sin by letting anger control you. How many of you know anger is one of, the, one, one of many emotions that tend to control our lives? We get controlled by a lot of other emotions also. And the Bible says don't sin by letting them control you. You are responsible for your temper. You are responsible for your emotions. You are responsible. And guess what happens? When you take responsibility for it, all of a sudden you find out God gives you power, authority to overcome it. But until you take responsibility for it, you'll never have authority. As long as you blame other people, well, I was in a really good mood until he made me mad. He can't make you mad. He can do something you don't agree with, and you can choose to get mad and lose your temper and act like a fool. How many know that when you lose your temper, you never make good choices? When you lose your temper, you never make good decisions. When you lose your temper, you never make godly decisions. Take responsibility. I'm responsible. It doesn't matter what they do, I don't have to lose my temper. I might get angry, but the Bible says I can be angry and sin not. I can get angry, but I don't have to sin. I can get angry, but I don't have to let my anger control me. I can get emotional, but I don't have to let my emotions control me. I can get frustrated, but I don't have to let my frustration control me. Why? Because I'm responsible. And if I'll take responsibility and stop shifting the blame, all of a sudden there's an authority that comes. God empowers me through responsibility to walk in authority over my own flesh. Amen? All right, let's look at the rest of this scripture. Next verse. If you're a thief, quit stealing. 
Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. If you're a thief, quit stealing. You're responsible for your actions. You're responsible for what you're doing. Don't lie to the IRS. Don't be a thief. Amen. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. You're responsible. You're responsible for your actions. You're responsible for your choices. Don't steal. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you. If it's on the side of the road, it's not yours. Unless they give it to you, it's not yours. Unless there's a sign that says, please take it out of my yard, it's not yours. Right? I had a guy tell me this one time. He went by a house that had been burned down. He said it had been sitting there a long time, so I went in there and stripped out all the metal out of it. I said that was stealing. Well, it's been burned down for a long time. I don't care if it's been burned down for 50 years. It's not your house. It's not your metal. It's not your property. Unless they gave you permission to go in there and get it, then you stole what you took out of that person's house. You're a thief. Stop it. Right? Take responsibility. Stop looking for a handout and get a job. Start working your tail off and start giving to other people that are in need. Take responsibility for your life. You are responsible for your actions. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't use foul or abusive language. I have people talk to me about this all the time. Pastor Keith, I just can't seem to stop cussing. Yes, you can. And you can stop cussing the moment you take responsibility for your words. I had a gentleman in the first church I pastored. He was about 60 years old before he got saved. And I mean, he was like a professional cusser. I mean, I think Hollywood called him up and got new words to use. I mean, this guy could cuss the paint off a wall. And he got saved, praise God. He got saved, and he called me up one day, and he said, Pastor Keith, he said, I'm still struggling with my language. Can you come over here? Let's pray. I need you to help me pray through this. So I go to his house. I'm sitting in his living room. We're talking, and all of a sudden, his five-year-old grandson comes around the room. Hey, Papa, they play for just a second, and he runs out. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just gives me great wisdom. And I say, uh, I say, let me ask you a question. I said, do you cuss in front of your grandson? He says, oh, no, never. I said, well, then guess what? You can control your cussing. You can control your cussing. You don't, if, you, if you cannot cuss in front of your grandson, then you cannot cuss anywhere. Right? Great thing about being a preacher, when you're a preacher and people know it, everybody stops cussing, right? I go to the Sunshine House and nobody cusses. And then I go back to church and somebody from the Sunshine House says, man, everybody's in there cussing. I'm like, cussing? Man, they don't ever cuss around me. <laughs> Take responsibility. If you can control it around the preacher, if you can control it around your five-year-old grandson, if you can control it for an hour and a half when you're at church, you can control it. But what happens is, is we relinquish responsibility. We say stuff like, well, when I get around other people that cuss, I just can't control it. That is so, that's horrible. <laughs> that's just horrible. Come on. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can control it. Why? Be responsible. And if you'll be responsible for your language, God will give you authority. God will give you authority. 
And your words and your tongue and your mouth can be clean by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's look at the rest of this. This is some good stuff. Somebody say it's good. Amen. All right. Let's look at our next verse. We're almost done here. And do not, this is awesome. I never, I never connected these dots. And do not bring sorrow. The King James says do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Now Paul has just got through giving us a list of things not to do, right? Don't steal, don't lie, don't cuss, don't, don't, don't live a corrupt life, don't do all these things. And then he says, and do not bring sorrow or do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Keith, he said, when you, when you relinquish your responsibility, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when you relinquish your responsibility, you actually start living a way you weren't intended to live. You start acting a way you weren't intended to act. You start saying things you weren't intended to say. And so God said when you relinquish your responsibility, you actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you actually quench the power of God that you need to live in victory over sin. And so what happens is, is we, we blame God. This is what happens. Have, have you ever said, God, if you just help me. God, why aren't you helping me? Lord, I wish you just, I, I just, Lord, I want to quit. But if you just help me, God, I just don't. And, and what's happening is, is we have relinquished responsibility. And because we've relinquished responsibility, we have grieved the Holy Spirit. And the power of God that we need to walk in victory over that thing in our life is not there because we've quenched the Spirit of God. But if I'll just begin to take responsibility and say, you know what, I'm responsible. I'm responsible for my words. I'm responsible for my thoughts. I'm responsible for my attitude. I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for my decisions. All of a sudden, when that happens, there is an authority. We get to tap in to what God has. How many parents in the house? Any parents in here? Awesome. All right, um, how many of you as parents have ever had your kids step up and take responsibility for something in, in their lives? You ever had that happen? How does that make you feel? Makes you feel good, doesn't it? I mean, when your kids step up and take responsibility for something, it makes you feel so good. You get excited about the fact that they took responsibility for something. And then you know what you want to do? You want to help them. That's exactly what you don't do. When they're not taking responsibility, you're like, oh, don't come here, I ain't helping you. Right? But when they start taking responsibility, you know what you want to do? You want to help them. Man, you're like, hey, let me give you some money. That was great. Let me help you out. How can we do? Man, when, when you see your kids take responsibility, you get excited and you want to help them more than you've ever helped them before. You get that from God. That's how God is. When you take responsibility, the Holy Spirit's like, man, let me help you. Let, let, me, let me do what you could never do. Let me take you where you could never go. Let me come alongside you like you've never experienced before. I want to help you. I want to pave a way for you. I want to do great things in you and through you. If you'll just take responsibility. He gets so excited. I mean, I believe, I believe the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus are all high-fiving each other. Say, whoa, look at what they're doing. Let's go help them. Let's part the Red Sea. Let's give them favor like they've never had before. Let's rain manna down out of heaven and let's destroy their enemies with the swap of our fists because they're taking responsibility for their thoughts, their attitudes, their actions, and their decisions.
So let's stand up this morning. This morning, I want to ask you a very real question. Is there any area in your life that you need to take responsibility over? Because if there is, today is a good day to let God work in your life. If you're tired of making excuses, if you're tired of going around the same old mountain, if you're tired of fighting the same old battles, and you're ready for God to take you somewhere new, and you're like, man, God, I need a, I need a breakthrough. I need a new work. God, I want to see something new. I want to change. I'm so tired of no change. God, I want to change. And Lord, today, I want to take responsibility. I want our prayer team just to come up front. And as they come, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And today you're on the outside looking in. I want to tell you today, even you have a part to play this morning. You have to be willing to take responsibility over the condition of your soul. And recognize today that I'm a sinner. And my sin has separated me from God. And in myself I have no hope. But I'm willing to take responsibility for my own life and come to Jesus this morning because I know He's the only hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And in Him today I can be forgiven and I can have a brand new life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you can do that today. You can take a step of faith and you can surrender your life to Christ. You can take responsibility over the eternal condition of your soul by trusting your life to the only one that can save you. But if you're here and you're a Christian, there may be multiple areas in your life this morning that you need to just surrender to God and you need to take responsibility over. And say, you know what, I've, just, I've said I can't and I've, I've shifted blame and I've, I've, I've transitioned responsibility and, and I've really just neglected the things that I know I should do, could do, would do. But today I'm just going to take responsibility. And I'm going to take responsibility with, 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 the, with the expectation that out of that responsibility, God's going to give me authority. And I'm going to start walking in a power I've never walked in. And I'm going to see a freedom I've never had this before in my life. So if you need prayer for any reason, right now I just want you to come. If you want to take a step of faith, you want to claim just a whole new level of authority by taking a whole new level of responsibility over your life. You just come right now. Let's just fill the altar. Let's just come today and say, God, I want to take responsibility. I don't, want to, I don't want to step back from it. I don't want to avoid it. I don't want to shift blame anymore, God. I'm just going to come to you this morning. I'm going to surrender my life to you this morning. God, I'm going to take responsibility. All you got to do is just come. Just kneel. Just kneel on the altar. Just come get before the Lord. This is your moment. God, I'm taking responsibility. God, I want greater authority. And I'm going to lay it all down. And God, I'm no longer going to blame. I'm no longer going to shift. God, no more excuses. No more excuses. God, right now this morning, in the name of Jesus, we lay down every excuse. We just lay it down, God. We lay down every excuse that we've made. God, we lay it down. Lord, we, we realize there are a thousand things we can't control. 
But God, today you've showed us just a few things that we can control. God, we're responsible for our attitude. We're responsible for the words we speak. We're responsible for the actions that we take, and we are responsible for the decisions we make, and we can no longer blame others. We can no longer blame others. God, today we take responsibility, and we surrender our lives afresh to you this morning. God, I thank you for every person in this altar. I pray for the hand of your Spirit. I thank you for the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning that breaks every chain. I thank you for an empowerment of authority today. God, I thank you for an empowerment today of the Holy Spirit. God, breathe breath and life over your people this morning. God, breathe breath and life. We take responsibility, and God, by faith, we receive authority. Authority over the enemy. Authority over every scheme and over every plan. Authority over every excuse that we have made. God, there's no excuse. God, there is faith. And so, Lord, today in the name of Jesus, we surrender everything to you. We surrender everything. We lay it all at your feet. And, God, we take hold of what we are intended to take hold of. And we receive today by faith what you have promised to give us. God, I thank you. I thank you. I praise you. I praise you for your grace. I praise you for your mercy. Lord, we praise you today, God, for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you today that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God, we're not here today because we're condemned. We're here today because we're redeemed. God, you have redeemed our lives from destruction. And we are not condemned, we are redeemed. And God, in our redemption, we now claim, God, that responsibility and the authority that you have given us. So, Lord, release it afresh right now. Fresh breath, fresh life. God, everything that we need, God, we look to you for this morning. And we receive it by your grace and by your power. And we ask it all this morning in the name of Jesus that is above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.